Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the second season of Divine Love. Yep, mm-hmm. it's been a year since I started this project and it's pretty exciting. I've got to say it's been a journey on so many levels and I am just so honored to be at the threshold of season two and to have all of you here to celebrate with me today. So as I've been doing for the last few episodes, we are following the Celtic tree calendar and working with different trees to celebrate cross quarters and quarter holidays that are honored on the Celtic wheel of the year. So today we are looking to the oak tree and celebrating Beltane, which is the Celtic first day of summer, May 1st, which is pretty exciting. I know that on the Gregorian calendar, May 1st is not the first day of summer. I believe it's like June 21st, but nevertheless, we are celebrating Beltane, and I am just so excited to get into it. First, I'm going to just talk a little bit about the celebration of Beltane, and then I'm going to tell you the guides that we have with us here today to dive deeper into what Beltane has for us this year, 2022. So, Beltane is a Celtic cross-quarter holiday, as I said, and it marks the beginning of summer. This is a time for sowing seeds. It is an initiation for the growing season and it begins the Celtic light half of the year. We are moving, finally moving out of the dark half of the year and into the light. So we are celebrating the return of the sun and we are celebrating the seeds that we can plant in the earth that has finally thawed and the soil is warm and ready to receive the seed and become abundant, right? The sun is returning, the earth is being warmed by this beautiful sun and is ready to bring abundance into our lives. And it's kind of interesting because I learned that this kind of marks this change for the maiden goddess into her own fire of sexuality. And I talked last time about Persephone. She was one of our guides for the Hawthorne ceremony that I did. And so we can imagine Persephone coming forward and she starts her bleeding cycle and she starts to engage with her passion and what brings her joy and her senses, her sensuality. So it's pretty exciting. We're honoring the maiden's blooming and her passion. And this is why Beltane, it's very popular for women and men alike, I'm sure, to wear uh, a crown of flowers on their head to kind of touch in with our own sensuality and our own fragrance. And, um, you know, because flowers are so attractive and that's a huge part of Beltane is as well, attracting into our life what we desire and tapping into our desires, our true heart's 
desire. And I read a line from the book that I was doing research in about Beltane and I really liked it. It said, out of our passions and our joy, we create. So Beltane is a really beautiful, delicious time to tap into what actually brings us joy and not what, you know, the overculture might say should bring us joy or will bring us joy, but tap into our bodies as we look at at the earth as this body. (laughs) So yes, it's a very beautiful time. I'm going to give you a little bit more information about Beltane here. It's a beautiful time to celebrate sisterhood, romantic love, um, attraction, passion, as I said. And this is kind of a funny little piece of information here, but apparently it was custom to um, for people to make love in the fields where they had grown their crops to ensure that the crop would be more fertile. And sometimes women would even have their menstrual cycles in the fields uh, for the same purpose. So I thought that was really beautiful because that connects us to our sensuality and our fertility in this very kind of primal way where we're it is very sensual we're touching the earth imagine making love in the earth um as i'm sure some of us have but yes it's a time to be free to be merry to enjoy the pleasures of life because um, these are all rituals of the goddess all acts of pleasure are rituals of the goddess so that's a beautiful a beautiful thing to celebrate is it not so that's just a little bit of information on Beltane. Of course, please feel free to dig a little deeper on your own time because I have really just scratched the surface there. As for our guides, I'm going to slow down the pace a little bit here. I know I've been talking very excitedly and quick. We have the oak tree, of course, and Gaia, Mother Earth. So I'm going to talk about the oak tree as one of our guides first and foremost. The oak tree represents steadfastness. It represents standing firmly in place, this unwavering, uh, faithful, stable energy that is strong and steady. The oak tree is a part of the age-old mysteries of the forest and when we engage with the oak tree it can help us to tap into our physical power and emotional strength to get through any season that we are in it is this very firm secure faithful unwavering energy this oak tree and it was considered to be a sacred tree of the thunder weather gods in Indo-European Bronze Age culture. And a little bit of interesting fact here, apparently oak trees are uh, commonly struck by lightning because they um, conduct a lot of electricity, which again kind of relates to Beltane, that, that, that attraction, drawing in attraction, right? Being electric, you know, if you've ever met someone that you're attracted to, it could be on a physical level, sexual, emotional, mental, spiritual. There is like this attraction that tingles inside of you and uh, you can really feel it if you're tapped into your body. 
Another really interesting tidbit, I'm just full of tidbits today, it's that it's associated with the characters such as Robin Hood and King Arthur, which I think is interesting because they're both masculine energies and both of them are these leaders, right? King Arthur proved himself to be um, the rightful king by being able to pull the sword out of the rock. And Robin Hood, of course, stole from the rich to give to the poor. So they were both concerned with justice and leading by example and leading with, uh, as I said, a sense of, of justice and fairness. And the main message of the oak tree is to not underestimate what we have to offer to this world, the gifts that we have to bring to the world, the things that we have that attract others in this world, that we have the power to open doors for ourselves, that if we just tap into our sense of power, we can be that kind of authority in our lives. It's a beautiful symbol of kind of initiating ourselves over a threshold and through a doorway and not necessarily waiting for someone else to do that for us. Of course, we can call in supportive energies and guides, but knowing that ultimately it is our initiation to to cross the threshold of our own accord, of our own uh, abilities. And the oak tree, along with Beltane, is about that fertility, celebrating new growth, and enjoying our ability to create. I know this is a lot of information. It's kind of like I'm packing it with a punch here. Um, But, you know, if you need to re-listen to the episode and kind of jot down things that really catch your eye, I know I'm saying a lot, um, but I, I, I myself want to highlight the enjoy your ability to create because I think that when we are disconnected or severed from that we can go through a really dark and kind of depressive time and and perhaps that why you know during winter it can be more depressive because we're not seeing the earth creating so much around us perhaps It's not as vivid and in our face because everything is covered in snow. So this is our time to really engage again with that creative fire that lives within us. So that's one of our guides, the oak tree. And our other guide is Gaia, Mother Earth. I pulled this card from my Dark Goddess Tarot deck and Gaia is associated with the ace of earth or the ace of pentacles in this deck. So we know that she is associated with blooming, the blossom. Oftentimes the ace of pentacles is depicted by that first leaf that has unfurled from the seed that we've grown. So we're now seeing our growth made visible or our growth made sensual. We can smell it, we can touch it, we can taste it if we like. There is a sensuality that is brought in. Now, Gaia is said to be the mother of all and no one can control her or be apart from her because she is the place 
in which all is created and she provides the very life force for us to create and because everything happens upon her body mother earth it is she who knows the deep wisdom of the earth and it is she that we can go to i know i'm using she but you can completely make it genderless <laughs> it doesn't have to be uh she it's more about the energy um but this it is the mother earth that we can go to for for seeking wisdom and i personally have this practice with a forest that i go to um that is sadly being cut down and i'll probably talk about that more later on but walking through this forest my tree council i have i've resolved so many issues walking through that forest just by listening and being with the forest, I've received such counsel and wisdom. So this is a great time to sit in a garden or sit by water or just receive the insight from the nature around you and consider what your question is. Consider um, what your desire is. As I, a little bit of a throwback there to, to Beltane, really tapping into our our, our heart's desire and I'm going to quote once again from the guidebook and I really this really resonated with me personally the quote is embracing your life is not a one-time task that resonated so deeply because I find myself often having to say yes to life again and again. I'll go through periods where I'm kind of questioning whether I want to engage in this life and I'm kind of pulling back from it a little bit and Gaia invites us to say yes over and over again when we feel we are ready to, of course, but yeah, embracing your life is not a one-time thing, so don't be surprised if you need to do it on a daily basis or a monthly basis or what have you. Be brave enough to engage with your life knowing that you have the strength and tools to um, encounter what will come forward in your life. And of course, one more thing to add is just that to honor the earth, honor the source of our resources. So wherever it is that you are receiving from, take time to give gratitude um, and pay homage, so to speak, to all that you receive from. So these are our guides. That was a little bit of an intro. And now we are going to get into the tarot reading, everyone. So I have my fifth spirit tarot deck here. I'm just going to cut the deck in half, do a little bit of a shuffle, add some reversals into there. <clears throat> and we are going to ask what it is that hmm, we are being invited to pay attention to. We'll ask our guides, Gaia and the oak tree. It's funny because the oak seems like such a masculine energy and Gaia is very uh, much uh, that feminine motherly energy so we see the coming together the the fertile womb as well as the as the seed coming and ready 
I know the the image is quite vivid, you know, of yeah, reproduction in whatever form that takes. So what it is that we are being invited to pay attention to. Hmm. I'm paying attention to my breath right now before I even pick the card. All right. So we have pulled the Ten of Cups and it's such a sweet card because the, the cups have been kind of stacked so that they create this pyramid or tower. And from the cup at the top, it is overflowing and filling all the cups beneath and there are goldfish jumping out of the cups and there's twisty silly straws and one of the cups is a dog bowl and one of the cups is a baby's bottle and there is a real sense of communal fulfillment and connection feeling a heart sense of connection to the people around us. Do you ever have moments in your life where, and they're so precious and sweet, where you look around the room and it doesn't matter if, you know, there's lots of people or maybe it's even just you alone and you just feel happy. You feel happy. You look around and, you know, perhaps you're with your partner. For me, it happens a lot when I'm with my partner and my dog. And I just feel so good. Like My heart is so full and I am completely in love, so to speak. I feel, I feel fulfilled really and I it's as if I could I could die then and there that could be the end of the story and it would be fine because in that moment I feel so incredibly happy this these are the moments these are the moments we're being invited not only to pay attention to but to create since Beltane is about creating and what we are creating but it all starts in kind of the heart space. And what's interesting is that the 10, of course, is associated with the circle. And so every 10 starts with that one, that ace, that choice to give to ourselves. And in the practice of giving to ourselves, that organically shifting into giving to others because giving to ourselves brings us joy and that joy organically naturally fills to a point that we actually want to share and in that sharing it's almost as if we create more abundance uh, so yeah this is very much a heart space kind of paying attention to the heart space and I just want to make note that recently my heart space has been feeling pretty grieved and pained. So it might take a little bit of unblocking and, you know, it might take, it might take shedding a few tears um, or many tears 
I recognize that the Ten of Cups can so often be just seen in its kind of light form where it's just lovely and light and like sweet. But um, sometimes what needs to overflow is our grief, is our mourning. And it's not always very, let's say maybe it, I don't think it ever really is very fun to mourn. Um, but I just want to extend a, extend patience to yourself. When you feel such grief and heaviness, instead of trying to get out or fix or understand, feel, feel. And watch as perhaps, perhaps feeling, feeling into where it hurts gives us, gives us this liberating feeling within the heart, almost like unblocking the heart chakra. And this is not, I don't want to speak lightly here, really. Um, this is not easy. I myself had a, a session of grief this morning. I know that sounds weird to say, but I finally said, okay, I can feel that there's grief that I'm trying to avoid in my heart and in my body. And I would like to sit with it now. And of course, I am so fortunate to have the space to do that as well as the resources to do that. Um, So I just really want to bow to those of you who right now don't feel that sweetness or that happiness, but feel a really, like their cup is empty. Like their cup is empty. Um, Yeah, I guess I just want to leave that there. I want to bow to the empty cup and recognize that Sometimes, yes, grief is what fills our cup. And there's something, yeah, about pouring it out, pouring it out. And I almost see it as a kind of medicinal thing where water nourishes. So I imagine our grief nourishing the soil, almost like the menstrual cycle I talked about earlier, where this shedding, this blood, this painful contractive cycle where people who have their, their moon cycle experience cramping and and big emotions and aches and yet there is something very wise about the cycle and I, I don't know again I, I really want to bow to any any grief here so when it comes to what we're being invited to pay attention to. I would just say the people in our lives pay attention to the connections we have, perhaps create more connection. If you're feeling alone in your grief, share it with somebody that you trust. Share it with a trusted counsel. And this may even be a forest. I'm not even joking. (laughs) If you feel like there are things in your heart that you're not ready to share with another human being, um, speak it to the clouds, speak it to the forest, speak it to the river, 
you're not alone. Again, that 10 reminds us that we are on a web. So we got a 10 last time, 10 of pentacles. I know, I know what it's like to feel alone. I know, I know. And not just physically alone, but spiritually alone, emotionally alone. But I'm sure I've said this before. There definitely is someone out there that has experienced um, something similar to what you're going through. So um, reach out, reach out, reach out. <laughs> I'm thinking about that Sipian Steven song. I'll have to link it in the, in the show notes. It's a good song. <laughs> All right. <sighs> okay, I'm going to ask how we might make room for this joy for this abundance, for this um, overflowing. I even think of an orgasm there, like this burst of, you know, the secretion (laughs) um, of pleasure, really. So how can we make room for that in our lives? No matter where we are, if maybe we are feeling really great and kind of on top of the world, letting that kind of sink in more or perhaps balancing it and perhaps if we're kind of on the lower end of the spectrum so to speak and we could use a little bit more joy because we're kind of stuck in our grief how can we make room Mm, i'm getting a sense of love here oh wow This is interesting. I had this card on my altar for the last week and a half. We have the nine of pentacles in reversed. Okay, so there's a feast here. And I've talked about this card before. We have a long table and there's a a huge assortment of different types of food. So again, there's definitely something here with the senses. Mm, Pleasure. There's like figs and there's pomegranates and there's sausages. So it's like there's a lot of reproductive symbolism uh, of the the genital areas. (sighs) Hmm. Yeah, this card is definitely to do with our sense of pleasure. And because it's in reverse, I think that there has been a restraint. And it's interesting because at the end of the table, there is a plate and the plate is empty. And we can either see it like we've just gotten to the table and we're like, wow, so kind of like overwhelmed by the platter before us and all the options we have. Or maybe we've been sitting at the table and been wanting to eat and restraining ourselves for some reason. I know that eating disorders are a sensitive subject, but I've struggled with eating disorders in the past. And I know what it's like to sit at a table and want to eat, but tell myself that I cannot. And perhaps even um, shame myself into not eating. And even, in fact, praise myself for starving my body. Again, I know that that is very touchy and I speak about it only because it is something that I have gone through. So I feel like I have the the right to to talk about it. 
I think there, there's definitely something here about our stomachs. <laughs> um, considering hunger cues, considering how eating brings us joy. I'm talking about it very literally here because these are kind of practical ways we can consider the messages that we're receiving. What are we putting on our plates? I know for myself, I've been saying recently, like I've just got so much on my plate and I don't even mean literally like on my physical plate with food. I mean like in terms of tasks. So I think there is something here about really considering what is on your plate. Are you eating the things? Are you taking in the things that you want to take in? I think about the concept of intuitive eating. Eating according to what your body is telling you that they want. So is it a fruit? Is it, um, you know, a meat? Is it a grain? Is it a fluid? You know, and there is wisdom to when your body says, I'm full, I don't want to eat anymore. And letting that digest. As I said, it's about the stomach. It's about the gut, what we're digesting, what we're taking in. And perhaps taking off our plate that which we actually don't want to eat anymore. Maybe we're lactose intolerant and we've kind of like been denying that to ourselves, even though every night we go to bed with like a stomach ache or we wake up in the middle of the night, like feeling sore in our bellies. Um, I know this is really, really touchy because food is comfort right? And I know this, as I said, I've dealt with this before. So I know what it's like to be reaching for comfort. So what is it that actually brings us a sense of comfort, home, security, stability? Not again, what we've been told, perhaps the culture has told us, what will secure you attraction and relationship is starving yourself. That is what will attract your mate is, you know, exercising a lot. Again, I'm not hating on these, on uh, exercising, but really tapping into your power, your authority and saying, what do I want to eat on every level, on every sense? What do I want to put in my belly? What do I have a taste for in my mouth? Perhaps even practice that if it feels like it's available to you. And again, if anyone listening has a struggle with their relationship to food and it feels really triggering to practice like tapping into the body, I encourage you to find the resources to talk to somebody about this, someone who can be a guide to help you heal your own relationship to your body but yeah, as I said, I'm looking here in Nine of Pentacles as how we can make room for this, for this joy in our lives is, as I said, taking off our plate, what we actually don't want and perhaps putting, even putting on our plate, if we've got nothing there, if we've been like starving ourselves of joy, because for some reason we think we haven't like done well enough. And I've done this before in my life. I'm like, you can only have this when you've done X, Y, Z. And it's not 
actually like a fair way of interacting with myself. I'm just putting these kind of really harsh and unfair boundaries in order to, you know, reach goals that aren't even mine. You know, I've been told you want to look this way. So I go, okay, if I want to look this way, I got to cut this out. Um, and it was like bowing to a false idol, really. It wasn't bowing to my own divine wisdom when my body growls and grumbles and says, feed me and nourish me so that I may run and I may make love and I may create and engage um so yeah what how we can make room for the joy is to just consider your plate and this could be your schedule even I I spoke last week about schedule and and I want to tap into the nine energy it's interesting because we have a 10 and so we have a nine here so there's a little bit of a succession nine come nine comes before 10 right the nine is connected to the hermit in the major arcana ruled by number nine and the hermit is a very it is like an initiation um, card because it's a card where we have to go on our own journey and the journey with our bodies is kind of our own in some way and and with food you know and with our desire It is a journey that involves introspection. It involves engaging with the external realm, you know, the physical realm and material realm around us, as well as tracking emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, you know, what is happening to us as we engage physically and finding... What resonates? Um, And I hesitate to use the word alignment because then we can often think like, oh, am I out of alignment and becomes a source of anxiety? It's more about what can you hear? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? What are the messages you're receiving? And do they support you and your growth? Or do they deny you your growth, restrict you access? Oh, this is very interesting is it not all right so okay as I consider the difficulty of this medicine um I guess I want to ask how we can integrate this gently all of this information um the joy how we're making room for joy how can we sit with this? How can we really sip on this in a way that it does get digested and it does get integrated into our system and we can um, kind of reap the benefit of the medicine going in, of joy coming in. We've made room for the joy, but what if it comes in and along the way it kind of gets blocked in the digestive tract I even think about when we have new experiences and they're really exciting and they're really good, but then something inside of us feels afraid because like the experience was so good and it's so good that we're afraid it wasn't real or wasn't true or we're going to lose it. So 
kind of this really gentle presence that can be with us while we sip on this medicine. Because I really do see it like this, you know, like neocitrin, like something like a, a lemony drink that we take to make us feel better and you know maybe to have that that presence there that reminds us to sip from the cup you know (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense Hmm, just a gentle presence I'm feeling a strong sense of boundaries here. Wow, this is very interesting. We have pulled the five of wands in reverse. And I don't, it feels very, very strange. But at the same time, it completely makes sense. Because there's, as I said, um, sometimes when we're engaging with something that's really good for us, like it's super healing. There is what can be called that backdraft that comes in that kind of wants to distort or tear down the experience that we had that was really healing. So this five of wands speaks to that kind of this backdraft that comes in that's like, no, no, like, like all these different, I don't know if any of you seen that movie Inside Out, like these kind of conflicting feelings that come up because even if we are moving through or moving towards healing, it can make us really nervous and our nervous system can go off because it's new. It's not, it's it's different. It's not how we typically move and it doesn't quite feel safe, especially if we're moving away from what the culture has told us to do. And there's going to be this backlash just is it's just like a natural movement and our body is trying to protect us you know so our body and mind and and all of that working together there's like a strong kind of protection that goes up and I really want I'm getting a sense because it's a reversal I want us to honor that protective wall that comes up and I mean what I mean by that is not be ashamed um, that we do have a resistance to our own healing because we do. <laughs> I mean, I do. I definitely feel sometimes like I want to just stick around in my grief and my pain because it's it's not the hustle and bustle of life. You know, the hustle and bustle of life can feel so overwhelming sometimes. I'm sure some of you resonate with waking up in the morning and the sun's like really shining. And instead of being like, oh my God, I love the sun. You're just like, fuck you, sun. I wish it was really cloudy today because I'm just not in the mood to like rise and shine. Like I want to rise and storm, you know, I don't even want to (laughs) rise. So be super open to your own resistance I know that sounds so weird but like if we can just not um okay I don't want to say not because it sounds like I'm handing out rules 
it's more of a, an awareness, being aware that it's it's okay to have things come up and it's okay to get angry with the process and feel really frustrated that we don't feel okay and being like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? I, I thought I was doing all the fucking steps that she told me to do. <laughs> and there's no steps here. Like, that's the thing, life it's not like there are these imaginary boxes that we tick and then it's going to equal happiness. As I said at the beginning, embracing your life is not a one-time task. It's an everyday thing. And life is not just sunshine and rainbows. I know the Ten of Cups can often be seen as that, but it's also full of grief and pain and heartache. And our, our relationships to ourselves is determined by how we sit with our own grief and pain, um, as well as in relationship to others. I'm going to look back at this five of wands here, and I just think it's interesting since the wands are a fire element and our creativity is like that fire. So there is a clashing here, and it's funny because I want to say a clashing of the titans, and Gaia is is the goddess that gave birth to the titans. So there is a fear of being usurped here. Like there's a whole story of Gaia. I didn't go into it, but you can go into it about different masculine powers being afraid of her life force and being afraid of her offspring because they were afraid that the offspring would usurp them. And there is so... There is just wisdom to that story because it it speaks to our nervous system. It speaks to our mental patterns. um, It speaks to the weaving of our story and how we weave ourselves into our story and we feel really comfortable there. And kind of unweaving ourselves from a pattern and a suffering hurts and it's, it's hard. So the fives, because this is a five of wands, attached to the Hierophant is finding the calm and the chaos, the center of it all. And I know I I mentioned breath earlier, paying attention to my breath. Breath really helps. If you think about the elements of air and fire merging, combining, if you add too much air to something, it can cause this roaring flame that maybe we don't feel like we have a sense of control over so if your mind is going super super fast trying to control the the arousal that's happening inside of you it can create a lot of panic but if we can learn to kind of control the mind's wheels through breathing this is like a very tactile um, practice and tip slowing down the mind to slow down the heart to uh, slow down the body and remember what it is that we're doing here we're doing this very intricate work of untangling things or taking things off our plate that we maybe dedicated ourselves to or feel an obligation towards and now we have to kind of back up a little bit I mean, have you ever taken out like a pair of earphones from your pocket and you looped them together before you put them in their pocket? And then when you're, this happens to me all the time, I take them out and like in a 
in a race to like untangle them and, and put them in my phone so I can talk to the person that's calling me, I tangle them more because I'm like, trying to untangle these earphones and it takes patience and a calm and a slowing down to untangle that I don't know if I'm going off here but let me connect it back to the the question and you know what actually let me go over I'm gonna go over the spread once more and then I'm gonna tie it all together with um the full moon in Libra that's coming up. So let me take a breath. Let me take a second to slow my wheels. For what we are being invited to pay attention to, our guides, Oak and and Gaia, have have shown up for us and we are being invited to pay attention to the ten of cups where is the grief and where is the joy because both overflow both overflow and both can be stuck and it's kind of um two sides of the same coin they're not separate they really aren't they mingle they mingle and so it's weird because when you're grieving you can experience these weird liberating like joys I mean I kind of reluctant reluctant to call them joys but at least that's my experience when I touch in with a grief there's like such a liberating feeling as much as it's also painful there's a joy to reconnecting to myself and to my love and where is there like grief around joy and joy around grief because as I said they are not separate So we're being invited to pay attention to those places. How we might make room for both of those, grief and joy, is by looking at our our plate. What it is we are consuming. This can be a television, this could be podcasts, this could be anything. And honestly, now that I think about it, <laughs> it's funny I want to say this, like, try new meals, try cooking something different, as well as if you're used to finding your answers on Google, take a pause from Google and go sit outside. I'm not talking about like how do I fix my car and you gotta like go ask the mechanic or whatever I mean questions that Google can't answer like what do I do in my relationship with my mom or like how do I respond to my partner in this way going to literally outside resources like going to sit with Gaia going to sit with Oak going to sit with any tree really yeah and and learning from mm, these different kind of sources how to move through grief and joy yes sources that are full of wisdom like trees and like rivers that hold a huge body of grief and joy within them Mm. and this uh kind of like a a 
supportive presence that can help us integrate all this and sip on this and stay with this work, this relationship, because I say work, but it's really the relationship we have working on our relationships here with ourselves first and foremost is, hmm, yeah, sitting with ourselves in the backlash, sitting with ourselves in the fire, in the flame. Um, I think about that story. I know this is getting really long, but whatever, it's season two, people. Um, I think about that story of um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Bible. They get thrown into a fiery furnace. And when King Nebuchadnezzar looks into the furnace, instead of just seeing three people in the fire, he sees four. And the fourth person is like, supposed to be this angelic person, this angelic being that protects them from the flame of the fire. So, okay, if you work with angels, then you can think about that. I'm someone that connects to the idea of angels, so that resonates with me. But really, if you can think of a part of yourself that is kind of this protective force that holds you in the flames when all the backlash is happening that just says, shh, I got you. It's okay. I have you. Don't worry. I know that there's lots of darts being thrown at you. I know that you're panicking, but it's going to be okay. I've got you. And breathing and coming back to the earth. Grounding. (laughs) Grounding. I'm sure many of you know that grounding exercise of putting your feet on the ground, planting your feet firmly, putting your hands on your body and just taking a deep breath extending your spine long and straight with your head pointed to the ceiling and your sit sit bones really planted firmly underneath you. Think about that oak tree sitting firmly, standing firmly, not being shakable. You know, when you have dedicated yourself to a task, being brave enough to follow through even when the flying fiery arrows come for you. Oh, that's some big work there, baby mama. So I said I was going to tie it all together with the full moon in Libra because the full moon in Libra is happening April 16th. Uh, I don't know what time, but it is just around the corner. It may or may not have happened depending on when I release this already, but we can still work with the full moon energy a few days around before and after the full moon. Full moon in Libra. What are we working with here? We're working with our partnerships, with love, with our relationships, as I said. (laughs) With me and you. That's Libra. Libra wants to find that balance between me and you. And recognizing that although we are connected to one another, we are not one another, so to speak. So there's definitely something about not comparing here, honoring your needs as well as the other person's needs. It's a give and take kind of time. It might be a, this is just a a few little tidbits. (laughs) It might be a start of a new relationship or relationship that is that you're currently in might be changing in some way. So just be on the lookout for that. 
and uh, yeah, looking at ourselves and others through love's eyes. Imagine, imagine, because Libra is ruled by Venus and Venus is all about that love and attraction, baby. So imagine that, imagine that because Beltane is about that attraction to the lover and we are in a lover's year, um, really tap into that archetype of the lover. Even as we do this really tough work of engaging with our joy and our grief, how can we bring that lover's energy into it, that Venetian energy, um, that fair, even Libra is like all about that fairness, right? So I also think about the masculine energy of that, that king that rules with justice, you know? Be just, be just in your judgments. Be kind in your critiques or your observations. And don't forget that it is from our passions and our joys that we create. And I just want to add a little caveat that because I actually do think we can create from a place of grief. And as I said, they are not separate. So sometimes creating from a place of grief is what allows kind of joy to flood in because we're, when we connect with our grief, as I said, we're connecting back in with ourselves and our body really likes that. (laughs) We really, I'm telling you, it feels good to be in love with yourself. So that being said, fall in love. <laughs> fall in love with yourself. Fall in love with the earth. Fall in love with your gifts and talents and the things that interest you. I'm going to read us a poem. I'm going to read us a poem by Mary Oliver. I have a, a book here that she wrote and it's all about love actually it's called felicity it's all her love poems so let me just i'm going to look at the index here the table of contents and i'm going to i'm going to look Mm. i think this is the one (laughs) this poem is called Leaves and Blossoms Along the Way If you're John Muir, you want trees to live among. If you're Emily, a garden will do. Try to find the right place for yourself. If you can't find it, at least dream of it. When one is alone and lonely, the body gladly lingers in the wind or the rain or splashes into the cold river, or pushes through the ice-crusted snow. Anything that touches. God or the gods are invisible, quite understandable, but holiness is visible entirely. Some words will never leave God's mouth, no matter how hard you listen. In all the works of Beethoven, you will not find a single lie. All important ideas must include the trees, the mountains, and the rivers. 
to understand many things, you must reach out of your own condition. For how many years did I wander slowly through the forest? What wonder and glory I would have missed had I ever been in a hurry. Beauty can both shout and whisper, and still it explains nothing. The point is, you're you, and that's for keeps. Ah, you gotta love Mary Oliver. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. This has been episode one of season two of Divine Love. This has been the ceremony of Oak and Beltane. Blessed spring um, celebrations, summer festivities to all of you. It has been such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Many, many blessings.